let's just stay right here for just a moment. Oh, we bless your name. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice for the saints that we're invited. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. Come on, throw your hands up and let's sing it again. You ready? Holy Spirit, you are. Come on, lift your voice and bless his name. <laughs> Come on, tell them, y'all. God is what our hearts long for to be old. Come on, y'all, let's bless his name. Come on, let's your voice and bless his name. this place here tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm not lost for words. I wonder what to do. Come on, just wave your hands and lift your voice and magnify him. Come on, it's all right. This is your praise. Come on, this is your worship. This is something you can do. You don't need anybody's help. You don't need their approval. Doesn't matter if they love you, if they hate you. Come on, your praise is not about them. It's about him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless your name. Come on, now lift your voice with your hands raised and worship him. Come on, tell God something more than a whistle, more than a holler. Come on, love on him. Love, compliment him tonight. Don't just praise him for all that he's done for you. That's Santa Claus. Come on, praise him for who he is to you. God, you are holy. God, you are worthy. There is no other God. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. Come on, y'all. Don't get in a hurry. I'll cut my sermon short for worship. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. Oh, yeah. Come on, raise one hand toward heaven and put one hand on your heart and sing. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come on, sing it. Flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what I Come on, he wants to know your heart tonight. To be Sing it like that one more time. Come on, put your hand on your heart and sing it. Holy Spirit, are you welcome here? From this place and fill me, I must Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. One more time. Come on, lift your voice like a choir and sing it to him. Holy Spirit, you welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the air. Your glory, God, is what hearts long for. Hallelujah, we bless your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Man, I feel the presence of the Lord. Come on, I'm not trying to keep you doing stuff, but if there's somebody sitting there standing next to you, why don't you grab their hand right now and say, come on, I need a Paul, I need a Silas, I need somebody to help me praise them. How many of you believe one could put a thousand to flight, two could put ten thousand? Come on, you're, you're an awesome praise and worship. But right now, grab somebody's hand and say, come on, will you be my Paul? Will you be my Silas right now? Come on, I need some shaking, and I need to come out of this darkness. Come on, right now, I need some salvation. Will you just lift those hands? toward heaven right now. Come on and bless him. Come on and lift your voice and magnify him. Come on, don't petition God for anything. Just praise him right now. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm not trying to cheer lead you. I'm not trying to bump you along. Come on right now. God, we join our hearts together. We join our mouths together, God. We join our praise together. Lord, we may be different people. Lord, receive it as one harmonic voice. Come on, you got your power you got your silence. Now start shaking things with your praise. Come on, something's shaking in the atmosphere. Something's shifting. Something's moving. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, take your time. Don't get in the hurry. The presence of the Lord is here. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Lord. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've seen more people healed doing what you're doing right now. Come on, grab somebody else's hymn real quick. I'm not trying to keep on and on with you. Grab somebody beside who you already grabbed right now. Come on. Say, come on. Will you be my Paul? Will you be my silence? Come on. I, I just need somebody to help me right now. Come on, tell them. I just need your help. I need your praise. I need you to help me to lift my hands up. Are you ready? Come on. When you get that person in your hand, raise those hands toward heaven. Go ahead. Go ahead and lift your voice with your hands and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Come on and give him some praise tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, open up your mouth and give him praise right now. Hallelujah. Come on, something shifting, something shaking. Hallelujah. The atmosphere is changing. Hallelujah. We bless your name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Walls are falling. Salvations are shaking. Hallelujah, we bless your name. Hallelujah, we bless your name. We bless your name. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, just stay right here for just a moment. We bless your name. Oh, we bless your name. You see, Joe, I'm running out of words. Just say, holy, holy, worthy, worthy. Come on, that's what the beasts around the throne are saying right now. Come on, that's what the angels and the cherubims and the cherubims will say. Come on, just lift your voice and cry, holy, holy, worthy, worthy. Hold up, my casa. The whole earth is filled with your glory. Man, there's a spirit of my almighty God in this place tonight. Bless your holy name, Jesus. Bless your holy name, Lord. Bless your holy name. Oh, we recognize your presence, God. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that we don't have to manipulate. We don't have to cheerlead. We don't have to conjure. All we have to do is praise you, God, and you show up in the middle of our praise. Hallelujah, you inhabit, you come and sit with us. Come on, let's just worship it for a moment. God, I'm so glad that you come and you sit with us in the weightiness of your glory. <laughs> the God, you take the eye off of the commode and it changes everything, which means you come and sit in all of your weightiness. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're sitting with us, that we may sit with you in heavenly places tonight. <laughs> how, how many of you feel like God's just bumped us up to another level tonight? Hallelujah. Bless the name of our God. Hallelujah. Man, I don't know how you thought I could go back and say I've been in the presence of the Lord. But how many of you believe the best is yet to come tonight? You believe that? Hallelujah. Come on, watch your turn about seven, ten people. High five them, hug their necks, smile at them, tell them I'm glad you're here tonight. Come on, tell them, say, I love the way you're worshiping the Lord. Come on, tell them that. Come on, smile at them and tell them, say, I love the way you're worshiping. I like to stand behind the worshiper. Come on, I like to stand beside one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord tonight. Man, I love the atmosphere that is in this place. It's 
so conducive for the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. We bless. Come on, take your time. It's all right. It's a healthy thing when the church loves on each other. Come on, smile at somebody. Give them a Colgate smile. They're not about to buy your toothpaste or something. Come on, smile at them and tell them, I love, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad I didn't have to do church by myself. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many of you ready for a word from the Lord tonight? You ready? Praise the Lord. Let me ask that again. How many of you ready for a word from the Lord here tonight? You ready? Praise God. Give the Lord another clap offering to you, mom. Let's just give him some praise. Hallelujah. Come on and bless the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you know he is so worthy to be praised? Hey, can we give God honor and glory for your praise team and all your band and your leaders? Come on, let's give God praise for them. So thankful. I just, I, I, I can stop bragging on you as a church and your pastors and your leaders to my wife. And she's like, man, I always miss the good ones. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, she sends her regards. And I'm so thankful. How many of you know you've got a dynamic church? Somebody say amen. Yes, you do. It's such a church of a level of excellence. That's what I appreciate. A lot of people, majority of people, they operate in compromise. There's a fine line between compromise and excellence. And I've always said that God can't bless a mess, but because you operating in excellence. Some of you believe God has aligned himself to bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody know we are blessed in this place tonight? Are you blessed? Come on, anybody blessed and highly favored in this place tonight? Hallelujah. Yes, you are. Hallelujah. <laughs> I really believe it or not, I argue with God on this sermon tonight too. Will you stand to your feet for one reading of verse of scripture tonight? And um, I want to I want to do with Songs of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15. Songs of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15. I give I want to go ahead and tell you this for the sermon tonight. I give honor to God and I give credit to some of John Hagee. How about that? <laughs> my dad and I, we were talking about this book that my dad had written or had been reading from John Hagee, and he began to share some stuff with me. And from that, man, this message got spawned not too long ago, just a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. I've never seen anything quite like this. I'm gonna preach a message to tonight. It's going to be so simple, but I really feel like, I kind of feel like Jesus. I know I'm not him, but I feel like him. How many of you know when Jesus would teach or preach, he would always use life stories to demonstrate heavenly things, right? And that's what we call illustrative sermons. Or we, he called them what? Parables. But I want to deal with a life, a real life story tonight. I want to preach about it. You're going to recognize it once I start. But I want you to look at Songs of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15. And I just want to Look at the first. Well, let's just look at the whole verse. It's real short. It said, "Take us, take us the foxes, the little foxes." Somebody said, "The little foxes, the little foxes that what?" Read it with me, everybody. That spoil the vines. For our vines, they were talking about how they're precious and they're tender. But I want to show you the little foxes. Somebody said, "The little foxes." That what? Spoil the vines. I want to preach a message tonight. You're going to think, how in the world is he going to tie this all together? But I will. I want to deal with a sermon tonight entitled The Perfect Storm. Somebody say The Perfect Storm. And there's some of us, that's where we are. We're in a perfect storm tonight. And you'll understand what I'm going to preach about in just a moment. Will you just ask the Lord? I know he's already here. But let's just ask the Lord to anoint me and to anoint you. Did you know the Bible said 15 times he or she that happened here, let him hear what the Spirit is going to say to the church. How many of you are thankful for what God did around this place all day yesterday? 
God spoke to the men of God, and then last night we had a powerful service. But this is a brand new night. We need a brand new anointing, don't we? We need a brand new test, and we need a brand new word. And let's pray. Father, we just come before you in the name that's above all names, that name of Jesus. Come on, lift your voice with me, saints. And God, I'm asking you that you would anoint me. The anointing is already here, but anoint me to bring forth this message tonight. And not just me, but anoint them to hear. To not just be hearers only, but also to be the recipients and the doer of what you're going to speak tonight. God, I know this is quite unusual. It's going to be different, but Lord, I believe you laid this on my heart to share with these precious people. And God, I believe with all of my heart that you're going to help some people through the perfect storm. God, on the positive side, there's a perfect storm that is brewing. All the positive things are aligning up for great things to happen in our lives and we praise you for it. God, I pray, Lord, that we would hear the significance and we would heed the warnings tonight. And God, I pray that you will be glorified in the latter day church and we praise you for it. I bind and I rebuke every hindering forces of the enemy and I loose the anointing of God for such a time as this. Father, you have your way in this place and Lord, we just want you to be God, the God that you are. We don't want to put any human, any human restraint on you, God. We want you to be free in this place. This is your house. We are your people. Without you, we are nothing, but with you we can do all things. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Give the Lord one more clap off and I'll let you be seated. Hallelujah. You may be seated. In the presence of the Lord. This sermon is going to be a little bit different tonight. I said that about last night. And those of you that know me, you'll know that it is quite different. I want to start out by a true life story. And the minute I start talking about it, you're going to recognize it. And it goes like this. On April the 12th of 1912, the Titanic, we're all aware of the Titanic. The Titanic hits an iceberg and it sinks to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Listen to this. Listen to how I'm wording this. 1,500 and 22 souls. Somebody say souls. 1,500, not just lies, but souls. 1,522 souls are lost. It was supposed to be unsinkable. Remember that? As a matter of fact, the CEO of the company that owned the Titanic, as it was taken in water, was going down. He began to tell the passengers, said, you've got nothing to worry about because this ship is unsinkable. If you remember the infamous story that was told and one statement that was made, it was said that God could not even sink this boat. Anybody know you never test God like that, right? They said even God could not sink this boat. But what happened on April the 12th, this boat began to sink. For 24 hours after the ship was on the bottom of the ocean, the headlines of the New York Times stated Titanic collides with the iceberg, but all passengers were safe. That was a lie. But let me just go ahead and dive into this. Here's the sad story behind the story. That none of these passengers, none of these 1,500 and 22 souls had to lose their life if there would have been five simple things that this massive vessel would have had. Do you any? None of them should have lost their life because of it was a perfect storm. You say, how can you get a perfect storm mixed in with the Titanic? Because I realize they were not in a storm. I realize they hit an iceberg. But I'm going to show you what a perfect storm is. I went to Google. I didn't go to the Dictionary of Theology. I didn't go to Dates Bible. I went to Google. And I Googled the words perfect storm, and this is what comes up. Listen to this. It's an expression that describes an event 
where a rare combination of circumstances, listen to this, will aggravate a situation drastically. And the term is also used to describe an actual phenomenon that happened to occur in such confluence resulting in an event of unusual magnitude of disaster. You say, Joel, all that sounds good, but what are you saying? It's a combination of things. Did you hear the beginning of the definition? It's not just one thing, but it's a combination of little things that can cause something to become a great disaster. Now, let me just kind of bring it home for just a minute. And you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to nod at me or nothing. But how many of us have experienced perfect storms in our life to where you realize that little things started aggravating each other and little things started getting into the marriage and little things started getting into our family. Next thing you know, communication's broken. And next thing you know, you start having pre-assumed ideas of each other. Well, if they're going to act like that, boy, they looked at me different. And before you realize it, if these things are not dealt with, what happens? It comes about a perfect storm that comes to a head. Now, here's the good side. Stay with me. Here's a good side of a perfect storm. It doesn't always have to be disastrous. It could be something that all these small things lead up to something major in your life. And I've read different stories. I mean, we all go through tough times. You heard about it last night. But does anybody believe that we have a God who takes our tough times and he turns them around for our benefit and for his glory? Come on, you're following. I'm trying to go slow here tonight. Understand, it's amazing. You can look back and see how every situation of our life did nothing more but to bring us to where we are. And I begin to think about it. I, I don't know all of them, but I'll share enough with you here tonight. I begin to think about if some people that we're aware of it that has made history in the United States of America, if they would have yielded themselves to the little bumps in the road, as y'all call it, potholes around here. How many of you know West Virginia's got some serious potholes. Lord, have mercy. I thought my car was going to dive into one in Dale Barton a few weeks ago. But understand, we are, <laughs> sorry, a little ADD right there. But understand, we all have potholes in our life. We all go through times to where things try to delay us and set us back. And I begin to think about people that we're aware of that has made history. That if they would have listened to the negative perfect storms that come in their life, they wouldn't be who they are and we would have never known about them. Like, for an example, have you heard about Walt Disney? Whenever he was young and even in college and high school, and I don't know how else to say it, but just quote, unquote, they told him, said, you are not artistic enough, and you are too stupid to be in this art class, so get out. Lord, have mercy. If he would have listened to that, none of us would be going to Disney World. Look what's going on. Long after he's gone, we are still enjoying, and they're still expanding his vision. You think about Michael Jordan. We all know who that is, right? The legend of basketball. Did you know he got kicked off of his high school basketball team? Because he said, man, you are not good enough to be able to play on this team. And the list goes on and on, I'm telling you, of different ones that if they would have yielded themselves to the perfect bumps in the road, they wouldn't be here. And there's some of you in the same way. If you would have listened to different ones, if you would have yielded to the negative situation, your perfect storm for success could have turned into a perfect storm of disaster. But can anybody look back over your life and say, you know what? The harder the battle, the sweeter the victory, the more that I learn how to trust him. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. Is this all right tonight, y'all? 
And so I'm not just trying to point out the negative to you tonight, but I want to show you how God is so able to take whatever it is and turn it around for our good. And then, of course, let me just deal with this. I'm going to take a little turn right here. I was thinking about the Titanic. If there would have been five simple things that would have been taken care of or prevented, that's a good word. If there would have been preventives that were made, it would possibly would have never lost 1,522 souls. And I want to tell you here tonight, I know so many times, especially young people, listen to me. I know you're sitting here, you're like, man, I'm only 14 years old. I can't figure out who I am, where I'm going, what direction I'm going. I know you may swap your girlfriends and boyfriends 15 times before you find the right one for you. But listen what I'm telling you here tonight. You can make decisions in this place right now that will change the rest of your life. There's some decisions you make. You may get up tomorrow and say, I'm not going to match my clothes. The young ladies may say, I'm not going to put on no makeup. That's fine. You may be getting laughed at. They may call you a clown. You may wear one shoe and a different kind of shoe. Actually, that's kind of cool today in different color socks. And that's all good. But you know what? Those decisions is not going to change what's going to happen to you. But I know you hear this all the time in school, but if you decide to make a crazy decision and get in the car with one of your friends who was drinking and who has been under the influence, chances are there's a major chance you could die or you could kill somebody else or you could be injured for the rest of your life. Do you understand what I'm telling you? There are some things that we have to be careful of that once we make a decision, it can change the rest of our life. Is anybody glad here tonight that you made the right decision when you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart and Jesus changed everything? Come on, somebody say amen. All right, let me get on back back on track with this. A perfect storm can represent something that is good or something that's disastrous. And I, I want to deal with this for just a moment. There were five things I'll dive right in. The first thing, 1,522 people should not have lost their life if they would have only had a lifeboat. Somebody say enough lifeboats. And that's an actual lifeboat from the Titanic. Understand something, y'all. If they would have had enough lifeboats. But here's this massive boat that the CEO said, oh, it's unsinkable. God cannot sink it. So they said, why should we need any lifeboats? If they would have had enough, and even the lifeboats that were available were not filled. You say, Joel, what does this have to do with us? Speaking from a church standpoint, does anybody know we are the lifeboat to this lost and dying generation? Yes, we are. We have got to become the light boat. We got to let this nation know and the city know that there is a way of escape. And the church, it's a simple message tonight. You need to know and you, your youth group needs to tell everybody else in your school that, hey, we got a lifeboat for you. I know you're sinking in the water of troubled times and the sins of the culture, but anybody glad that God has called us to be a lifeboat? Yes, he has. And I'm not trying to sound cool no cool tonight, but if we're going to be a lifeboat called the church, we've got to quit being so concerned about our little few and saying that our church is unsinkable because you know as well as I do that if you do not continue to keep your church up to par with what's going on, understand sooner or later our church will become a sinkable church in the eyes of others. We'll just fall in the cesspool of religiosity and we'll become just like everybody else. 
cross. I'm not saying we're in competition, but I want to be a relevant Pentecostal church, don't you? And by doing that, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. The method always has to change, but the message cannot be compromised because we understand that Jesus, he is the Savior. It's all about him being crucified, buried, risen, and coming again. That's the message. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you something. You are the lifeboat to this area. That's the way you have to look at it. You can't help what other churches are going to say about this place. I'll go ahead and tell you, you're going to have a lot of church haters. (laughs) Why? Because, mm, Lord have mercy, because jealousy has put holes in their boats. (laughs) <laughs> Come on, competition has put holes in their boats. And their church boat is sinking. If their church does not turn over, if their if their young people don't come back to the raised, do you, let me just share this with you. I don't know how I'm getting off on this one. We'll roll with it. Did you know it is a proven fact? Statistics say that when our children gets 18 years old, they will leave the church, and there's an 80 to 90% chance that they'll never come back. You don't want that to happen. It's an 80 to 90% chance they said that our teens will never come back. This is what shocked me. They said that when they leave the church, they'll either do one or two things. You ready? They'll either become non-churched or they'll go extreme to the other side to occultism. Oh, not my child. No, that's what they all say. Do you understand what I'm telling you here tonight? I'm telling you that this church has got to continue to be a lifeboat. We've got to make sure that there's no holes in our boat. Come on, somebody. And we got to realize that it's not just about our few. But, man, this place is a lifeboat. Time's running out. Storms are hitting life. Man, like never before, and I'm not a real good person on prophecy like Dr. Perry Stone and different, but I can tell you this. We are closer to the coming of the Lord than we've ever been. Someone told me years ago had about a second-grade education, and I'm not knocking education. But, you know, I know he meant well. He said, well, preacher, I tell you, said it's going to get better before the man comes. And I wish that was true, y'all, but that's not true. The Bible said in 2 Timothy, the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, perilous times shall come. Come on, and I'm not here to preach all that, but I'm telling you, if we've ever needed to be a lifeboat, there's no reason why any soul that comes through this church should perish. We need to make it a lifeboat and say, look, I'm sorry for the way other churches have treated you. I'm sorry if you've seen hypocrisy. I'm sorry if whoever's put you in a desperate situation, but this is a lifeboat. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter who you are. Come on in the boat. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. Come on in the boat. Somebody say, come on in the boat. Uh, let me go on with this. Second thing quickly. At that time with the Titanic, all ships shut down their telegraph communications at midnight. Now, what happened after this 1,522 people lost their lives? They changed this. If they could have only got a message out. 1,522 souls did not have to lose their life if they could have just got a message out. Say, Joel, where are we at? This simple message tonight. 
You got to understand that it is time to send a spiritual 911 message. It must be given to us out to the others. Come on, somebody. We are messengers. We need to tell them that help is on the way. We're living in a desperate situation. We're living in the times where people cannot count on the stock market anymore. And I'm not here to depress you, and I'm not here to bore you with a bunch of stats. But they're saying by the time that our children, I got a seven-year-old. By the time my seven-year-old, Brianna Lynn Talley, when she's a baby, I used to call her my little BLT. And my wife said, now, when she gets older, you're done with that. I went, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. But understand, they're saying by the time that my seven-year-old gets ready to retire, there's not going to be any retirement. You say, don't depress me. I'm not. I'm just trying to tell you, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but not trust is in the Lord of hosts. How many of you believe God's retirement is out of this world, right? And I, I'm saying that to say all this tonight. So much I want to tell you, but there should be a 911 message that is going out to say that Jesus is the answer for the world today. You know as well as I do, it's kind of like that old country song. Everybody's looking for love in all the wrong places. But we are the messengers, y'all. We are the messengers. And I'll put it to you this way. We are evangelists. Come on, I'm just going to say it. Can I walk around? I'm sorry. Cameraman said he had a he had a blister on his thumb last night. From keeping up, I tried to warn you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but understand something. You may never stand behind that sacred desk of the Most High called the pulpit. But God has called each and every one of you to be the evangelist. Come on, to give evangelion. What is that? It's good news. Every one of us, you have a message. Each one of you, you have a story to tell. Doesn't matter how young you are. Doesn't matter how young and hard you are. I want to tell some of you who feel like God's done with you, maybe because you're older than what you used to be, I'm going to tell you God is not done with you. If God could use Caleb at 85 years old to look at Joshua and say, do you remember when you and I were spies? Do you see that mountain over there? God promised me that mountain. Listen to his mindset. He said, look. He said, I know there's not only a mountain there. He said, but there's an enemy surrounding the mountain. He said, but God helping me, I'll take the enemy and the mountain. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. (laughs) I like what John the Baptist's mom and dad said. Remember when Gabriel came down to his dad and said, guess what? I've got a message from the throne of God. Y'all going to have a baby. His name's going to be John. He's going to be full of the Holy Ghost. And but you know, here's a whole other sermon. But because he doubted in his heart, the angel of the Lord told his dad, said, you're going to be mute until this baby's born. Well, because what did he tell him? I like what he, he told Gabriel. He said, Gabriel, he said, don't you understand? He said, I'm an old man. I'm telling you, he was a wise man. He said, I'm an old man, but my wife's a little bit up in years. <laughs> so I'm, I'm saying all that to say this, that it doesn't matter how old you are. How many of you know God's got a mighty plan for you? And 
I know it's simple preaching tonight, but as long as you're living, breathing, moving, God's got a message that needs to come out of you to someone else. Doesn't matter how young you are, you've got a story, you've got a glory to represent. Does anybody believe God has called you and I to be the telegraph in this area to let the people know there's a safe boat to get in? You don't have to see. You do not have to perish. You can't found salvation. Somebody clap your hands and give God a shot of prayer. All they needed was a message. And it, it wasn't funny. It was set out at midnight. We need to tell people there's a message. I've heard people say, I'll tell you what, I wish God would send Moses and Elijah. Woo, what a revival we'll have. Y'all know as well as I do, God could send whoever he wanted to down here, right? Come on, you know what? Let me say this. You know some of my favorite stories in the Bible that God did? One was a talking donkey. How many of you wish God would give you a talking donkey, do you? I said, God, if you'll give me a talking donkey to talk to some of my hard-handed family members, I'll pay 90 days, same as cash. <laughs> I might even give interest. And I began to think how God used frogs and flies. He used lice. Ugh. He has ways of getting people's attention. And I begin to think to myself, God, you can use whatever you want to. You can send whoever and whatever you want to send. But anybody glad here tonight that God don't need to send Moses? He don't need to send Elijah. He's got you right in place. Come on, he's got you right in place. Hey, can, can I share this with you very quickly? How many of you ever go through times where you wonder where you fit? Can I see your hand? Y'all lie. Come on, put your hands up. We all go through times like that. And really, you begin, I don't care how old you are. Usually, now, young people, y'all don't get mad at me when I say this, but it's the truth. Usually, you start trying to find yourself about 12 or 13 years old. And I remember when I was 12 and 13, I put myself in here so y'all don't feel like I'm picking on you because y'all liable to throw a shoe at me or something. But understand, I remember when I was 12 and 13 years old, I went to this time where I felt like I knew everything, and my mom and dad didn't know squat. They didn't know nothing. And I thought, well, okay. And then when I got about 19, 20, 21, 22, you go through a time where you try to find yourself again. Why? Because you're not a young teen. You're not a senior high anymore. But yet you're not an old adult as well. I mean old. I'm not even over there. But anyway. And so he said, where do I fit? Because I'm not in senior high anymore. I'm not really a dog. I'm not a young teen. And you go through this where you're trying to find yourself. And where do I fit and where do I belong? And if you're not careful, it's so easy to get caught up in the mix of everything. And can I tell you something? When you become vulnerable to that, you become vulnerable to anything and anybody that is able to influence you the most. Come on, somebody say Amen. And so you're searching and you're looking. And that's where some of y'all tonight, you're like, God, where'd I fit? Young people, I've been where you're at. I'm not just preaching to you tonight, but I've been where you're at. I've been sitting there and you couching on the pews and thinking to myself, God, I know you got a calling on my life. Can I just talk about this for just a minute? Is this all right? I went through a time. I've always knew that God had his hand on my life. And I didn't come to give you testimony week. I came to preach, but let me just give this to you. I've always known that there's a calling on my life. And everybody who knows me know that I've always been called to preach. 
The funny thing about it, this is funny. Let me tell you this story. I've always known that I was going to preach it. Well, one night we were living in Mississippi, right? And my mom and dad, my brother, and them, they used to sing all the time. I was five years old. So they promised me. They said, hey, said you can sing with us tonight. I thought, man, I'm making my big debut. So what did I do? I thought I was going to sing. I fell asleep. When I woke up, I was laid out on the front pew of the church of a camp meeting, and they're singing the last note. They were just singing the last note, and I was mad. And then my hair was sticking up. I got a devil crown anyway. My hair was sticking up. I had ice knot all in my eyes. My short tail was out when it wasn't all that cool. My tie was twisted. I marched up there at five years old. I grabbed the microphone. I said, I'm going to testify. <laughs> five years old. I said, I've been a drunk for 25 years, and God delivered me. My dad liked to beat the fool out of me. Anybody know the difference between a whipping and a whooping, anybody? Come on, don't get me going on that. <laughs> and I've always knew there's a calling on my life. I sit on the back porch in Mississippi. We lived on the cowground. I'm five, six years old. Anybody know how hot it is in midsummer Mississippi? My God, it'll make you appreciate wanting to go to heaven. Hallelujah. And I'm out there preaching. I have my suit on. I have my tie, my dad's towel. I preach in a storm. And I always felt like, how do I get up on this? I always felt like that I was not preaching unless I was sweating. Now I wish I didn't sweat at all because I drowned myself. But all of a sudden, I would go running inside. It's a good way to keep the kids out. I'd ask my mom. I said, Mom, am I sweating yet? She said, no, go preach some more, son. She said, I didn't feel like I was sweating. i take a water hose and soak me. She said, you soaked yourself. I said, I had a Holy Ghost church service. But I'll never forget, man, I always feel like there's a calling on my life. And I had this, <laughs> had this dog. He was a calling. His name was Shelp. And I had my dog trained. I did. I'd be preaching up a storm. And he'd come over there because he heard me hollering. He thought something was wrong, right? I was just preaching. I'm stomping and preaching. And all of a sudden, my dog showed up. And he peeked around the corner. I said, come here, brother. Shout. Wow. I said, come here. I'm going to lay hands on you. Wow. I laid hands. I had the dog trained. I reached my hand out. He'd just fall over like this. I started, wow, hallelujah. I started shouting all over the place. Come on, I'm not lost in my mind. I'm taking you somewhere. I really am. And all of a sudden, if he saw that I was preaching, he didn't want nothing to do with me. He'd go hide in the doghouse. I said, come here, Brother Shep. You're rebellious and you're going to hell. Come here, let me pray for you. Saw so my life, man, I knew there's a calling. But all through my life, I had to discover who and what I was. And you go through these times. I'm not going to go through my whole life here tonight. But I went through a time almost about, I don't know, 12 years ago to where everything was shifting and changing in the church. And I'm like, God, where do I fit? I'll share this and move on. And I really felt like I was losing who I was. Because sad to say, a lot of churches, they were not wanting to have the Pentecostal move anymore. They want to get them in, get them out, and get on with life as usual. So I felt like I was losing my way. Is this all right, y'all? And so I thought, what am I going to do? 
Kind of funny. I, I got to praying to God. I said, God, I know you call me to be a messenger. God, what am I supposed to do? And you can't say you never done this. We start comparing ourselves with others, don't we? So what I did, I started asking God. I said, God, I got a good idea. It wasn't too good of an idea. I said, God, why don't you do this? I've got to figure it out. I said, why don't you make me like Bishop Jakes? I said, why don't you make me like Rob Parsley? Why don't you you give me the humor of Jesse DePlanis? And I said, at the time, why don't you help me with a healing ministry like Benny Hinn? And you know what God told me? He said, if I do that, you're going to be one confused person. Because you're going to look like you got multiple personalities. That's what he told me. And God told me, he said, go get yourself in front of the mirror and try to act like all of them. So I tried it. I did, <laughs> I did just like this. I said, get ready again. Ah, yeah. I'm just being honest. Pastor, like, you've lost your mind, Joel. Then all of a sudden I want to be like, Rob Parsley. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Rob Parsley. We'll break through, you know. And all of a sudden, I, t- I tried to be like Jesse DePlin. Hi, my name's Joe Tyler from Oxford, Georgia. I didn't wear All of a sudden, I said, tell me, Steve, what's going on over there? Hallelujah. And I'm not making fun. Smile at me. Come on. I'm not trying to be, let's thank them on this. But I looked in the mirror. I said, God, you're right. Boy, I look crazy. He said, you know what they're after, Joel? I said, what? He said, they're just after me. If I will anoint you for who you are, can't nobody be you but you. Come on. I told you I was setting you up. So you know what I'm decided real quick? I decided when God made me, he crushed them all. I'm ADD, full of the Holy Ghost. I'm not parsley. I'm not bishop. But we're all striving to be like Jesus. And I found out that he has created me for such a time as this, to be a messenger in this moment. How many of you know God has created you to send forth the message? Come on, somebody give God a shot of praise. <laughs> So you know what I found out? That God didn't need me in the Old Testament. He had all them covered. God didn't need you and I in the New Testament. He had all them people covered. I don't know about y'all, but it's based upon my faith. I wouldn't have worked in the cowboy Indian time because I'd be the first in the shootout because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? I wouldn't, I wouldn't work in the early stages of America whenever they were burning witches and Christians of the state and called it witchcraft because I would be the first on the state because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Are you, are you following what I'm telling you here tonight? God didn't need you any other time, but he needs you right now. You are his messengers. You are his voice. We are the world's lifesaver while Jesus is the Savior. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. Is this all right tonight, church? Let me hurry. Here's the third thing. I found out this was interesting. Usually red flares were used for emergency signals or requests for help. But the Titanic only had white phosphorus. Did I say that right? All the army, military people. Phosphorus. Thank you so much. I had to break it down. It felt like a blah, 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 like that. You know what I'm saying? But understand they had these white phosphorus flares. 
Ooh, that makes me feel important. Phosphorus. Another ship, did you know this? If they would have had the red flare, there's another ship called the California was less than 10 miles away. They could have seen this red flare instead of white go up, and they possibly could have saved 1,522 lives or souls. You say, Joel, what do you get out of this? Church, let me just put it to you simply. It's time for you and I to, talk, to stop sending out the wrong signals. Whoo, come on somebody, hallelujah. Now I want you to know what I'm about to say. I'm not going to slam no church. I'm not mentioning no names. I'm not mentioning denomination. But I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of churches, you know what they're doing? They're gaining all the crowds, but they're not really getting people changed. They're giving them the band. They're giving them, and that's all good. But I'll tell you right now, they're telling people, said, look, we're going to do, and I've been to one of these churches before. They said, oh, we do things different around here. I said, really? Like what? They said, for an example, we don't call people sinners. We tell them they're on a journey. I was like, okay, I got invited to one of these churches. And I can roll with just about anything, y'all. I've done revivals with the bluegrass. Anybody like bluegrass? I love it, man. I love it all. I've been with some of the churches sound like ACDC. Woo! I've not been with the stuff yet, okay? But I'm teaming. I've been with all kinds. And the church invited me. They said, we do things different. I said, really? They said, yeah, we don't call people sinners. We tell them on a journey. I said, okay. Then they said, we don't use religious words like power of God, blood of Jesus, things like this. And I, I'm just telling you a quick story here tonight. And I thought to myself, oh, God, I am in trouble. And then they said, altar service, we don't have altar services. We have prayer time. So my thought was when I got invited to one of these churches, I thought, I'm with the Romans, do as the Romans. And by the way, that is not in the Bible. It sounds like it, don't it? Kind of like if you'll build it, they'll come. That's not in there. That's in the field of dreams. <laughs> but understand, I got invited. And it was awesome in the way it was set up. The music was good. And y'all hear how loud I am, right? I promise you, y'all, I was preaching just like this. You're on a journey. And I'm wringing my hands. And I'm dealing with depression. Oh, you're on it. And I got down there and I could hear the Holy Ghost telling me the whole time, preach. I'm like, no, they said they do things different. You're on a journey. <laughs> preach. No, I'm on a journey. Man, uh, long story short, it was miserable. I called people to the altar, hardly anybody came. I went down to the I went down to the hotel, y'all. The Holy Ghost whipped me all over that hotel. How many know there is no whipping like a Holy Ghost whip because a Holy Ghost whipping don't stop? I just dropped in my mind. Sorry. They just bring it out of me. And so I mean he whipped me all over the hotel room. He said, Look, he said, I did not bring you up here to preach like this. I said, But God, I may not be invited back. He said, It's okay. My apostles didn't get invited at once, but they sent the house straight. I said, God, they told me to do this. <laughs> he said, I didn't anoint you to preach like that. Go on there and be the way that I've called you to be. I had two nights with them, y'all. And I got up in there. I was nice. I was not being sarcastic. I said, it's been a joy to be with you. Chances are I probably won't be back after the night. I said, but you're going to hear the truth. 
And I started preaching about salvation. And I told him, I said, you're on a journey, all right. You're either a saint or you're a sinner on this journey. There's an ending at this journey. There's going to be a place called judgment. And after judgment comes eternity. I said, you got to make a choice. i got to preach about sanctification. Does anybody still believe in being sanctified? Come on, I don't mean to preach on that. Come on, does anybody still believe in holiness in this place? I got to preach about holiness, how it starts from the inside and works its way out. I got to preach about Holy Ghost baptism. Whatever this is speaking in tongues, the Holy Ghost hit that place. We have 15 saved, another 15 filled with the Holy Ghost. People are laid out in the pile in the front, down the aisle, all the way to the back door. The leaders came to me like a mule at a new gate. And they said, what is this? And the first thing that popped out of my mouth was, this is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. That the last days, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. Somebody give God a shout of praise. How many of you know we got to quit sending out the wrong signals? We got to tell people that sin is sin. Come on, somebody say amen. We got to tell people there's a real hell that you can go to. There's a real judgment you're going to stand before one day. There's not purgatory. Nobody can pay you out. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, if you're going to serve God, you better serve him now. If you're going to live holy, you better live holy now. Because the Bible said one day the trump of God's going to sound. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we're out of here. Come on, do you believe in the rapture of the church? Somebody give God a shout of praise. I'm hurrying. Everybody okay? I'm not looking. I can just hear you. Amen. Here's a fourth thing that I thought was interesting about the Titanic. said if the officer would have just had a simple thing, if he would have climbed up in the crow's nest, and he would have had a simple pair of binoculars, 1,522 souls would have never lost a life. Just a simple pair of binoculars. He would have been able to see on the clear night the iceberg coming, and they could have detoured. Say, Joel, what are you saying? Well, there's a lot that I could say right here. But let me just say this and get ready to land this plane tonight. You do realize, y'all, that we are the watchmen and watchwomen on the wall. Come on, somebody say amen. It's not just because you love somebody in which we do. But how many of you believe it's our biblical, godly, uh, it is our obligation to look out after each other? Come on, somebody say amen. It's not all about you. Think about what the good shepherd said, I'll leave the 99 and go after the one. He could have easily said, well, that one sheep, that'll be good supper for a lie. But he would leave that one, leave the 99 and go after the one. And here's a warning to us tonight. I'm, I didn't mean to preach so long. But here's a warning to us all tonight. The Bible said that we're watchmen on the wall. And the Bible said that the watchman on the wall sees the enemy coming and does not sound the alarm and give a shout to whoever's on the inside of the wall. And that enemy filtrates the wall and comes in and people lose their life. Their blood is on their hands. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, here's the reverse thing. Then if they see the enemy coming and they blast the alarm and they make a shout and nobody listens and the enemy come in, filtrates the wall, somebody dies, then the blood is not on their hands. Can I, can I ask you to do something in my church? 
Don't you think it's time to get the blurriness and the fogginess off of our spiritual binoculars? And start not just looking out at ourselves, but looking out. I'm going to put a little bit of spiritual pressure on you. Not manipulation, but listen to me. Your life depends on it. Your family could depend on how well you're looking out. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Our culture, man, this is what's wrong with our culture. Anything goes. Somewhere, some way down the line, somebody has failed to look to the binoculars and say, no, we can't go there. There's, there's danger ahead. So many people, they've been detoured. So many of their lives have been cursed. And they were looking and said, somebody would have just warned me. Somebody would have just helped me. I want to encourage you here tonight to rub away the fogginess of your distractions. And say, God, how many of you believe that God can take away the, the horse blinds of religiosity and let us see more than just outside of our church and let us see the kingdom things? Come on, somebody say amen. Is this all right, church? Here's the last thing. I'm done. I'm going to close this up so you really believe me. You know what? Let me tell you all this. You know what I found out the word closing is in Greek? You ready for this? It means you got 20 more minutes. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I promise. But here's the last thing I thought that was interesting. The fifth thing was 1,522 souls never had to lose their life. Watch this. If they would have just had a longer rope for the thermometer. Did you know what they would do? Listen to this. I thought this was interesting. What they would do is they would tie a thermometer on a rope. And they would drop it. In. There's a canvas, like a bag that the thermometer was in. Real quick, they would drop it off the back. I'm going to try not to drop myself on the ground. Dear Lord. Knowing me, I'll trip over my own shadow and y'all laugh. But all of a sudden, they, they would, honestly, man, they would drop this long rope. And it reaches down the water, and that canvas with a thermometer would fill up with the water from the Atlantic Ocean, supposed to, and they lift it up. And if that thermometer said 30 degrees or less, they would not travel. Listen to this, y'all. Because one person failed, and they compromised. Because the rope was too short, because they thought the Titanic was unsinkable, Guess what? They could not get the rope down into the water. So what did he do? He compromised, whoever it was. They went to the sink on the boat, filled the water by the sink, handed the thermometer to the captain, and said, we're safe to travel. And 1,522 people lost their lives. See, what are you saying? Church, all, there's so much that I could say, but God forbid... God forbid, y'all, listen, that we fall short of the glory of God. God forbid that we compromise and say, oh, that'll do. Because guess what? Not only do our souls count on it, but how many of you believe other souls are weighed in the balance and found wanting? So I want to encourage you here tonight. Will you stand to your feet with me so you know that I'm done? Really, really, I'm done. Can I encourage you tonight? You see, Joel, how can you preach a revival sermon on the Titanic? But there's some of you here tonight, you know what's going on? The enemy has been trying to set up the perfect storm for your disaster. And there's some of you here tonight, God's trying to set you up with all the storms that you've been through to set you up for success. Someone asked me, you say, Joel, was you ever a party animal? No, I was not because I learned a whole lot from my brother and sister. How many of you can learn a lot from other people? Come on, everybody say amen. You can't, I learned a lot from other people. I've had my shares of ups and downs. 
But I said all that to say this. How many of you know you can learn from little bits and pieces of things? And I want to tell you here tonight, do not allow the little foxes. It don't always have to be some major calamity to set you back and to take you under. It can be little small things. Oh, that's a good word for somebody. Small roots of animosity, small roots of unforgiveness, small roots of bitterness, small things. Little foxes spoil the vine. How many of you believe God wants you to set the sail of success and to reach your destiny? Come on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. How many of you know we're all trying to get to heaven? Come on, we lift your hands before him right now. Come on, thanks for being patient with me tonight. Father, we bless you. Father, I thank you for these precious people, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for their hunger for your presence, for the hunger of the preaching of your word. And God, I'm asking you right now. God, that you would step into our life. God, I know there's some people in some storms here tonight. God, I know that if these storms don't turn around, the enemy's going to try to come in like a small fox. It looks so small and so insignificant. God, there's some people here tonight, the enemy wants to bind them up and chains and bondages. And right now, it's starting with just one little sip of something, just one little glimpse of something. It's not going to hurt nothing. God, help us to look to the binoculars of holiness and realize that we cannot afford to shipwreck. The time is too short. Jesus, you're coming. Help us tonight. We need you. We need you. Every hand bowed of eye closed, please. Thanks for being patient with me. I mean that with all humility. I want to be here tonight and you would say, Joe, I realize, man, that I'm on a, listen to me. They were on a collision course with an iceberg. But can I tell you what? We are on a collision course with eternity. <laughs> you hit the iceberg, you die, and then comes eternity. I realize that. But I draw this conclusion to tell you, we are on a collision course with eternity. There's nothing you can do to get out of it. The reality is not all that we're doing. The reality is is when somebody comes and visits us in the casket. I'm not trying to make it morbid, but that's the reality. The reality is that it's a point that all should die. After death comes judgment. After judgment comes eternity. If we don't die, we fly. That's the reality. The reality is life is but a vapor, but eternity is forever. So I'm going to ask you this question very quickly tonight. I'm trying to hurry so I can get you out of here in time for you to go home. I'm going to ask you, do you need Jesus? Would you say, Joe, I realize that my life, my, my Titanic's on a collision course headed in the wrong direction. I've let too many things come into my life and I'm not in control anymore. It seems like the enemy's in control of the will of my life. But that can change. Instead of Jesus being your co-pilot, put him in charge. Make him the captain of everything. Right now, if you say, Joe, I want to be saved. I want the Lord to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Will you slip your hand up right there where you're standing? Come on, I'm not going to embarrass you. God bless you. God bless you. You're doing the right thing. You're making the right choice. Come on, right now. Saints, will you pray with me? Come on, hands are going up. Right now, you realize you're on a collision course with eternity, and you're not sure how it's going to end up. Throw your hand up right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus, come on. It's a heaven or hell decision. Your decision you make right now is going to change the rest of your life. Anybody else? Come on, raise your hand quickly. Come on. In Jesus' name. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? Throw your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just throw your hand up. God bless you. 
God bless you. Four or five people, raise your hand. Well, everybody in this place, raise your hands if you're able. Come on, if not, I understand. If you got shoulder issues, I understand. Arthritis, I understand. Whatever, come on, but speak your voice. Will you use your voice? This is for the four or five people that raise your hand. We're going to do it with everybody. I'm calling you to repentance. Everybody shout, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me with your blood. Cleanse me with your power. Come on, shout it, Jesus. I know that you died for me. You rose from the grave for me. You're coming back for me. That I do not have to go to hell. I do not have to miss heaven. But tonight, I choose to make you Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. You died for me. You rose from the grave for me. And you're coming back for me. I've denounced sin, the world, and the devil. Come on, and I confess that Jesus Christ is now Lord of my life. I am saved. Come on, somebody celebrate. Come on. Come on, somebody.